What up, what up? I'm Adrian Young. I'm Ali Shaheed Muhammad. And we are The Midnight Hour. And you are listening to Mega Late Show. Skirt. <laughs> Youngin' up in here. What up, what up? Welcome back to The Mega Late Show. I'm Robinson Mega. And The Mega Late Show is a Tokyo-based hip-hop art and culture podcast. This is episode number 141. Um... Dude, I, I guess I, I'll just go in, go ahead and introduce my co-host today, who is uh, my brother. I think the last time you were in here for an episode of your own was like episode 112. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. And then you, of course, were here with uh, Miyama. Um, I don't even remember the last time when, when that was. That was probably about six months ago. Uh, okay. You know what I mean? Man, I'll pop in every now and then. I'm yeah. Around. Yeah. I mean, uh, go ahead and introduce yourself. Yeah. Yo, What's up? My name is Aaron Chulai. I am um, a pianist, composer, make beats, play banjo whenever possible. And, uh, you know, friend and family of the Mega Late Show, son. I also want to reiterate that he's in a phenomenal... I've probably talked about your album more than I've talked about any other music on the podcast over the last year since it came out, man. man. I appreciate that. It's a sincere thing for me, too, James. It's a sincere thing. I really think the album is fucking genius. I think it's fucking incredible. And I'm going to keep on telling people that he's a genius and the album is genius until people start saying it for me. But everybody that I put put on to the album that knows uh, even a little bit about music walks away saying, wow. What the fuck was that? And I think that that's like that. That's what I want people to get, whether they're they're jazz heads or they're hip hop heads or they're into avant garde, abstract, experimental music. There's like a little bit of something for everybody on there. So so yeah, man. Um, fucking Raw Denshi, go check that out. You if you listen to the podcast, you've heard me talk about. It. I feel like uh, even like three episodes ago, I played it even. Yeah, yeah, man, I appreciate you. You've been so supportive with that record since it's come out, man. Like, yeah, a lot of people have hit me up, um, you know, through hearing you talk about it out here or like at events and stuff like that. So I appreciate it. I did. I did kind of. Um, I, I rarely do this, but I posted on Reddit once. I was like, "Oh, if you like Daichi, check out this album he did with my guy," and then also my guy's new album. And it was like, "Oh, I heard that episode of the podcast. Actually, you're that guy, huh?" And I was like, "Yes, I am Mega of the Mega Late Show." Yeah, yeah word. Come on, man, you got to stun on people. Hey, sometimes. I mean, you know, it, I, I've been doing it long enough that a few people may have heard of me from such films as Breaking Four, yeah, <laughs> Judgment, <laughs> Judgment Day. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, also, I want to go ahead and you guys know that on every episode of the podcast, we play some music in the background. And that music is usually a Tokyo based artist or an independent or underground artist. We want to support local and independent art. And um, today I was going to play some Il Sugi, but Aaron was nice enough to uh, hit me to a new project that's coming out through his label. Um, I get, Can I say your label? Is that, yeah, is yeah, that sure. accurate? His label, Namboku Records. Can you tell us a little bit about the art? artists and about what we're hearing in the background yeah so today we're going to be playing a beat tape that we're putting out uh next month march 17 by uh australian based thai beat maker and singer songwriter guy named subnet my boy out there in melbourne and um you know he's really heavily involved in the label and helps out a lot with um a lot of the visuals that we did he edited the neato mindset video if anyone's seen that Mm. um and yeah, he's just crew and family, man. So he's got a beat tape out at the moment as well. Um, he's doing this series called Out the Tapes. So please go check that out. 
Listen to this for a second. I mean, I haven't listened to the album completely, but um, here goes like a, a flip of uh, West Side Gun acapella. I think this is the joint off of, um, uh, is it Eurostep off of Pray for Paris? Oh, yeah? I don't know. I, I feel like it. It's hard to tell because, like, all their music sounds the fucking same. <laughs> yeah, you know true. what I mean? Like, they're yeah. really good at that. Yeah. But, but he's got, um, he's got a bunch of stuff up, you know, like, on the, on the series. This is, this is straight out the tapes, volume two. On volume one, he's got, like, a Slack remix out there. I think you're going to have some remixes from Kojo on this one. Oh, okay. um, So, you know, there's the Jap Japan link as well. Don't, Yeah, check it out. Subnet, straight out the tapes, volume two. Word. And I'm going to play that uh, as long as it doesn't get too loud and distracting for us. I don't know if the beats... Yeah, sometimes, like, music is just not meant to be a musical bed. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah. like, yeah, we'll keep that in the background. And also, I'll play some joint uh, off of it. Uh, you know, if it sounds dope, we'll stop and just listen to it for a minute. But, yeah, go check them out immediately. Support independent underground art. Yeah, Subnet, out the tape, volume one and two. And um, yeah, so let's go ahead and introduce our guest today, man. Uh, I met, uh, and you, you go by James um, uh, Akio. Yes, that's correct. Is that it? Yeah. Sorry, I want to make sure I got the name right. But uh, we met briefly at um, the Namboku kind of showcase that took place the day after Christmas last yeah. year, right? That's right. And uh, he heard me speak in English because that's primarily what I do. Uh, primarily what i do right and he's like oh did i hear english over here and i was like yeah peace peace and uh, we had a short conversation but after that aaron you were like yo you should talk to that guy you should have him on the show he does a lot of interesting things and yep. when i talked to him he didn't tell me he did anything interesting but um after uh he sent me some information i was like wow this is going to be a really interesting conversation that we can have here so james and i'll continue just calling you james now um tell us a little bit about yourself like where are you from and what do you do Sure. Um, first of all, thank you so much, Mega, for having me. This is an honor and a super cool opportunity. Oh, I got an applause drop for you, family. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Welcome, welcome to the uh, Mega Reactor Buddhist Spine. So my, my name is Akio James. You can just call me James. Um, I'm from a not-too-distant suburb uh, from Chicago called Crystal Lake, but lived in Chicago for many years before coming here. That's where Jason's from, right? Oh, that's that's right. Crystal Lake. Yeah, 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 that's yeah, where yeah. Jason. I don't know. The Crystal Lake, Illinois. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. okay. But shit. could be a different one. I mean, yeah. there's probably like a million Crystal Lakes, like there are Springfields, but okay. Right. There's also um, a Japanese like hardcore group called Crystal Lake. Not very mm. into them, but that connection exists as well. Okay. Um, yeah. So I came here to Japan in fall of 2018. Um, first moved to Sendai, and now I'm based in Aizu Wakamatsu in Fukushima. But that's a bit misleading because I'm in Tokyo quite a bit. Um, so far, out of all the cities I've been to, Tokyo's my favorite city in the world. Hey, um, that's what's up. We yeah, got good taste. Yeah, thank you. I haven't been to a lot of other cities in the world, but I mean, I live here, so I got to rep. To be fair, I don't know anyone that's come to Tokyo and been like, yeah, you know what? 
fuck it. No, there's nothing happening here. Fools that live in Osaka are like, yo, Tokyo's kind of oh, trash. Yeah, but, you know, you're going to get wrong. haters any, you yeah. know. Yeah. I feel like that's like that East Coast, West Coast thing. It's like New Yorkers go to Los Angeles. Like, I can't even get a slice of pizza at four o'clock in the morning. What kind of city is this? No, yeah. no. It's like Melbourne, Sydney. Has yeah. That shit too. Uh, yeah. See, it's like that. There's yeah. that kind of me. I feel like there's a lot of hate from Osaka towards Tokyo, but not the other way around. No. Nah. Right? Like, I feel like yeah. I could be wrong. I don't know. I haven't spent enough time in Osaka to really, you know, I, I don't know the people that well, so I can't mm. speak on it. Yeah. No, I feel like, like, yeah, Tokyo people actually really like Osaka, mostly. Mm. Especially the food. And, um, you know, a lot of comedians come out of Osaka. Well, they're supposed to be, but I don't want to get too far on a tangent oh, about yeah, this sorry. thing, but but they're supposed to be kind of like a little bit more relaxed than Tokyo people. people. Tokyo people got their ass cheeks clenched real tight as they go from, you know, office to house. And Osaka, they tend to be a little bit more relaxed, right? Well, that's, that. just, that's what I hear. That's the stereotype. But then, you know, like we from Tokyo too, and none of my friends are, you know. Yeah. Like, so I don't know. It's that the description of what Tokyo is never sort of fit with me, you know. Like, I, I understand that that world exists, but there's also this other kind of bohemian art, you know. Right. Like, independent hustle grind Tokyo that is more my world than anything else. So, yeah, it's one of those things is like, like you visit one of the things I like about Tokyo is that you come here, uh, you go to a place, and it's like, wow, I had no idea this existed. You go to a small venue, and it's like, wow, they're just doing something strange here and you just find these unique little subcultures that are all over the place and you could live in a you could live in a part of town for you know five years and still stumble across something new mm. and that's kind of what i like about tokyo it's like endless labyrinth of just really interesting things if you're into finding it so mm. yeah, pull out that treasure map yeah. but, so many venues yeah oh, so, so many, many. Yeah. yeah but anyway just to like um make uh to, to go back to talking about james I know James. James does a lot of things, but I know James as a drummer, like um, a drummer that comes from like a improvised music background. And you know, for, I'm sure a lot of people know, and some don't. That Chicago has got like a really long history with free jazz and, and improvised music, like a really long, deep history. And um, you know, playing with James in the in the small amount of time that we have, it's like that. Uh, it's kind of new for Japan, I think. Someone coming from you know that that specific way of doing things so that's how we met and uh james has been coming to a few gigs and and and, and uh you know knows a lot of the cats on the label and stuff and been super supportive and you know it's good to just have him around you know talking that, about what he does how would you characterize your your music or, or do you did you study um how to play drums or percussion um, no, when I was a teenager, I really wanted to pursue it, uh, but for various reasons, didn't end up doing so. Um, I ended up studying electrical engineering. Um, I chose that because it kind of ties in with uh, audio, signal processing, and, and shit like that. So that's what I ended up doing. Um, and after school, I worked at Sure Incorporated, which we're using Sure okay, Mics yay. now, um, while kind of doing music on the side. And then while working, I received the uh, opportunity to move here through the MEC scholarship, which is actually what brought Aaron over here, from my understanding. Oh, is that uh, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, man. And so that was just an opportunity to continue my studies. It's a little bit more on the music side this time around than before. Um, but now, I'll, in addition to that, I feel like I'm doing more music than maybe I was uh, back home. So how did you get started? Did you just like start playing drums or like did you have any formal training 
Yeah, so um, my brother, he's a quite quite an accomplished blues guitarist. Um, so he older brother. So when it came time to join the school band in elementary school, he I wanted to play trumpet, but he made me play drums because he mm. wanted a drum set in the house one day. Uh, hey, <laughs> shout out to your brother. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, um, what's your, what's his name? Yeah. I mean, you say he's accomplished stuff. Uh, yeah. Do, do you not want to connect that? No, it's it's cool. Okay. Uh, Joey Joey Pinkle. That's his name. Okay. Is it? Do you know of this person? I don't, but like I haven't been uh, up on the Chicago blues scene in a while. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. I mean, I'll check him out. Yeah. Cool. I mean, I'm fucking with the mics. genre. Yeah, I don't. I'm not intimate with the genre. I don't know it well, but I, I, yeah, it's good music. I definitely was. I actually grew up. I started on blues guitar. Oh well. I actually started playing piano. Um, this is. This, I swear to God, man. Uh, every time I talk about parts of my life, shit just sounds like a fucking lie. But there was do you know willie dixon the, of course yeah. yeah yeah so willie dixon's son bobby dixon the youngest of all of the kids is like you know this sort of like a nomadic um alcoholic basically and and was just like living off the royalties that, that the dixon foundation Wait, was. so in new york or australia this is in melbourne right oh, so wow. he he was just sort of like roaming around melbourne for a little bit I didn't. I didn't know who he was, but the, we had. Um, my mum had a friend of hers who was a lot younger than her. Stay at our place, and she'd met this Bobby Bobby Dixon like at a bar somewhere, and um, eventually Bobby ended up moving into our house because they were together. And Bobby and I would share a room. Now at the time, Bobby was like forty years old, and um, I was playing guitar, and all he wanted to do was to go to blues jams. Like so, I'm like twelve or thirteen, and so we would just go like i'd be out at blues jams with him playing guitar while he played piano until you wow. know like two in the morning come back and then go to school come back and then he we'd play all afternoon and then we'd go to another jam session and um when he eventually left i just started playing piano and it's happened like maybe three times in my life where he'll just show up out of fucking nowhere like i think he might be in ireland now or something mm. but, but uh, he's, he showed up in new york he showed up out here once like but, he's, but because of him, I've got all of these old chess um, mm. masters that like he's, he had sent over from Chicago. So I'm very familiar with the, uh, with old Chicago you know blues. But um, yeah, and blues music. I actually crossed paths with Freddie Dixon, oh, no I, who I think might be an older son. Yeah, I'm not right. sure. Yeah. Um, once in Chicago. Yeah. But that's that's wild that he was out in Austin. That's like super it's random. It's as random I mean, as fuck, right? Yeah. I mean, it's really, I mean, it's also kind of strange that he was just like staying with you too. Uh, dude, I talk to my yeah. dad about it all the time. It's like, for the longest time, I was sharing a room with a 40-year-old dude and then we were just out at clubs every night. Like, How old were you at the time? 12, 13. Holy shit. Yeah. Uh, that's really But dope. it was the best musical education. Like, yeah. You know, fuck. it was just, it was, it, in my head, it seems like it must have been years, but it was probably really only a month or two, but... Um, and so he plays piano. Yeah, he's a well. piano, okay. piano wow. player. He's a really good piano player too. Wow. Huh. Yeah. So you you grew up in like a musical family then? Uh, no, it all came from my brother. My oh, parents okay. weren't. Yeah, they never really. What kind of music played. they listen to? Um, I guess my dad was really. In, he's kind of in everything, but classic rock, especially, okay. I suppose. So I that's mean, kind of typical where it of the time, right? Sure, it's like yeah. a, a lot of our families listen to the radio, and then that's where they got their musical influences and stuff from. It's right. not like they were fucking on web forums like yo i'm gonna get to the bottom of this yeah yeah okay yeah. And, and and so you picked up this musical interest from your brother basically um using you to to get a drum set right okay <laughs> hey, that's dope i mean the way aaron speaks he was like ah oh, he's a he's a really interesting uh percussionist um 
He play he, he he what did you say? You say he talks like he doesn't really play, but he's really he plays really interestingly or something like that. Yeah, right? no, I mean James is a great drummer. Like um yeah, you know that means so much. But like <laughs> you. No, James James can definitely play. Like the truth is I don't really know what else James does. Like I just kinda know him as a drummer. And um, you know, I can link the way he plays to a really specific time and place in a tradition, which I think is is super interesting. You well, know. What what is that time and place? Like, are you intentionally trying to evoke these kind of, you know, this essence, or is it just something that you're picking up on here? I know I wouldn't I wouldn't imagine you're doing it consciously, but like, there's James, the way that James uh, sort of approaches drumming, it really comes from, in my mind, like the Lester Bowie sort of art ensemble of Chicago type things like from the 60s and the, and the the free jazz movement from around that time and sounds right to you yeah that's definitely okay. a big yeah. influence and players who are influenced by that who are more active now in chicago um were definitely hmm. like, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not gonna lie like um uh, my favorite instrument is probably the drum right but i, I specifically on, i specifically like jazz drumming Oh, yeah. You know, that, that's kind of I, I like beat makers who who have like a, a jazz music theory background and, and make their drums sound more like that. Yeah, yeah so. I thought you and me with team piano, like what, a piano guy. I mean, <laughs> yeah. like like really, if it, if it came down to it and if I was on a desert island, someone's like, you can listen to somebody play a piano all the time or you can listen to somebody play the drums all the time. I'm probably going to pick the fucking piano. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So he yeah, goes, away, yeah. I want to fucking break dance. Like, oh, <laughs> I got to break these fucking coconuts. So, you know what I mean? Like, no, I'm not going to do that. Yeah, no. I mean, drums would be all right, but I can't, you know. Yeah, drum, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's the backbone. But yeah. Yeah. The, the, the piano is like, you know, the flesh. Yeah. I'm not breaking coconuts to fucking some my jazz drumming. <laughs> but okay. I mean, uh, to, to get into it some, though, but um, uh, recently you guys recorded. Um, a, a jam session or like a what just like fucking what would you call it what? yeah well i'm sorry man if i'm talking too much on your behalf but james has like a series that he's been doing on youtube avant chop mm, yeah. yeah. i yeah. recently followed you on facebook and i was like yo at first i watched it on my tv i was like oh this is a weird angle yeah. <laughs> but on the phone tell us all about it please yeah so um at school in aizu wakamatsu in fukushima prefecture um i'm a student researcher of their computer arts lab and there there's a lot of students doing a wide variety of things from like graphics to spatial audio and things like that i'm more on the audio side um but seeing all the cool gear like whether it's vr headsets or weird microphones that they have there it was i just kind of thought it would be thought like I could make an opportunity out of it, which is to, the idea was to record sessions of improvisers that I like here in Japan uh, or in Tokyo uh, with a 360 camera and a microphone called an ambisonics microphone. Okay. So the ambisonics microphone is sort of like a 360 camera in that it can capture all angles of a soundscape with four different capsules. Mm. So if you... It took a while, but if you once I figured out how to stitch that together and to make that work, um, I started trying to do it more with uh, different people. And Aaron was gracious enough to join me in one of those. And you, you only recently started doing this, right? Like a few months ago? Uh, no, I think less the very, the, yeah, less than a year. Very first one was maybe March last year. And to be honest, I have a lot uh, stockpiled that I need to release. Mm. Um, so this this podcast comes out in a week, right? Uh, no, it'll be out in like three days, dog. Three days, okay. <laughs> yeah, it'll be it'll be out on Tuesday. Okay, uh, so yeah. uh, on Tuesday, I will be releasing the next one. Okay, uh, that one's ready really to cool. Go. Yeah, that's with a guitar player in Koryama named Atsushi Arakawa. 
And so, like the the artists that you've been working with are primarily like experimental uh, artists, or they're just uh, established uh, musicians of some variety, or, or are they just random people that you think are dope, or are they? Yeah, like, more more okay. just people I fuck with, I guess. Okay. Um, I guess they tend to come from an improvised background, but um, not always. And I'm also interested in like getting people who aren't so used to improvising to improv if it's good, right? Okay. If, if they, you know, if they. You know, okay. find something cool to say. Then I then I'm also interested in that to like kind of just t turn people on to the yeah. process or is it to that approach. Is that kind of like one of the things about the your own personal art? You you like the improvisation and I think of... that's one of the reasons I still play drums too. Like oh, a very, a see, very I love that. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of immediacy. Like what, what, that's that's one of the reasons I love breakdancing as an art. I, I like when when uh, you know you hear the music and you you get open to the music. It's not a rehearsal. You you go mm -hmm. off and you do it freeform and uh, strange attractors happen. Like you know you fall onto the beat. Same thing with the freestyle. Like sometimes you just get open. So I'm a huge fan of immediacy. Is this like uh what is your interest in that? Like why? Is that, is that, am I getting like too esoteric over no, here? No, 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 no. Shit? Like, I, I mean, I feel like I'm just kind of hyped to talk about immediacy. When I was reading about lifestyle anarchism, uh, oh, I don't want to name drop the guy because he's a fucking pedophile, but Hakim Bey, maybe I'll edit. No, no, Hakim Bey, right, used to talk about immediacy and how important it was to establishing these temporary autonomous zones and camaraderie and community between people because it gave them an opportunity to express themselves in the moment without rehearsal, which was a form of freedom, like a, a libidinal kind of release. Uh, and now it's getting too esoteric. But but yeah, so I like immediacy. Like, what do you what do you think about improv? <laughs> you know what <laughs> no, I mean? No, I, like, th I think really? that that's a that's a really um, it's a poignant point though. Because look, uh, there might be a few people that don't really understand when when we talk about improvised music that it's like you, it's a genre and it's a really weird sort of its own world that's separate to the free jazz scene or, or to like um, new music, like in the classical world, like people that are into improv really just do it for the love. And, the, and all improv is, is just like you, you get together with someone else and you play something out of nothing. Sometimes it could be really dissonant. Sometimes it could be really beautiful. Sometimes it's really minimal. Sometimes it's, it's um, you know, it's a lot. And different places has diff have different traditions of it. And in Japan, there's a really long history of experimental music, improvised music, and, um, and noise music that comes from the 60s and um, really goes back to the war. And so you find that there's actually a really strong improv world out here. And I think in this society, it has a lot more meaning. Like when the idea of immediacy, immediacy self-expression and community, the improv... improv community like is that for a lot of people who really need it so you'll find that most people aren't doing it professionally but everyone's really good at it you know everyone's got another hustle but everyone in the improv scene is like really dedicated and, and that's their life and that's their identity um and you know it's interesting for me as well because james is like doing these videos and he's documenting not just what's happening in tokyo but like in these other areas of these other players and because you know people there's no real like way of uh these guys kind of getting any kind of attention like you know they'll make records and put them out and stuff but it's it's hard to find if you're looking for it you know yeah so, like james is doing a really really it, good thing for the, for that community it was so. interesting to me because it's not something that i would just sit down and be like let me look for japanese improv sessions you know but like once you hear that it's a thing and then your approach to kind of reaching out to all these different types of artists and, and creating something beautiful, not only just sonically, but in execution with the 
uh, you know, the 360 camera and also the 360 special set. What, what is it called? Um, Ambisonics microphone. Ambisonics <laughs> microphone. It, it becomes a really different type of experience. So I think that's really dope that you're doing that. How, how, uh, how, how, I don't, I don't know how to, like, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm just hyping it up without giving them an opportunity to talk about it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> explain it. You know me, what I mean? Me, like, me yeah, too, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, I don't know. Tell, tell, tell us a little bit more about it. Like, have you learned anything? Is it become like this kind of ethnographic kind of study for you or? Um, I think what I've learned is maybe more on the technological, like technical side. Um, at first, when I would record these sessions, I didn't really want to process them because I wanted to maintain the audio image and I didn't, mm -hmm. I felt like I didn't understand it enough to, um, mess with that and still have that element be there. Um, but then I found like a pretty good plugin set, uh, from some people out of Europe called IEM that, uh, like added some really necessary compression and other, uh, processing techniques. I don't know if we really want to get into that. Maybe that's more technical. I mean, but, like, tell me a little bit about it. I, I'm, I'm definitely an outsider to the technology. Like what, what is, what is it? So the microphone records four channels of audio and that's basically microphones pointing at different directions. Mm -hmm. Um, so I was always hesitant to mess with one channel or kind of do anything to it really, mm -hmm. because, um, that might mess with the whole image, but with, with the plugins, um, they're, they're made to process this type of audio. Mm. And um, I also realized that the image isn't like so perfect that you can't mess with it. Like I think I feel like you can probably mess with it quite a bit and no one would ever notice like, oh, oh that's that's wrong there at 90 degrees or whatever. Uh, for people that like probably finding it hard to follow as well, like when you watch these videos, if you if you watch with um, earphones, you you can turn your camera and see you know, it's like a 360 thing, so you can turn around and see different views and stuff. But as you turn, the microphones turn too. So, so they're sync locked together with the mm. yeah. Oh, so you get so a different perspective of audio. Like you know, if um, if the mics are in between um, James and me, like if you you know do like a 180, then you'll you know hear the hear the piano on the other side of like the other ear and stuff like that it's, it's really really interesting so when he's talking about the image he's talking about the stereo image of the microphone it's not the actual you're doing a great job clarifying all my jargon so <laughs> i mean i appreciate get it. that yeah. i do kind of get it oh uh, yeah no i know you do <laughs> okay, i know, okay. I know right, you do right, i'm just right Aaron, i mean i get it now. so i mean uh, is this something a lot of people are doing or are you kind of like on the bleeding edge the cutting edge of this type of shit i, I don't know of anything else Hey, out there, which... hold on, man. Oh, thank you. Yeah, man. You heard it first. Mega Late Show exclusives. <laughs> exclusives. You know what I mean? We're on the ground floor here. So, yeah, that's I think dope. that's part of the reason I was excited by it is that, of course, this is music I'm very, very passionate about, but also the medium is something is new to me and exciting to me as well. Okay. You have any uh, plans of, like, reaching out to larger artists or anything like that, hoping that it grows into something else, or is it just kind of chugging along the same type of path trajectory i mean right yeah I'm, I'm reaching out to folks i don't see myself having a right okay. <laughs> to reaching out aaron being yeah. one of them <laughs> so is it musicians from all different genres that can improvise or is it like a jazz music background or uh i would say mostly mostly that improv that kind of like avant-garde improv scene that aaron was referring to there's some free jazz and some noise as well but also um, that kind of undefined um, improv thing. Part, part, of, part of the reason that it ended up that way is because that's kind of music I became really excited about after I moved here. Um, before moving here, I was like all in on free jazz, which I still 
okay. loving is a big part of me. Is it your like favorite music genre, kind of? Uh, free jazz? Yeah, or uh, jazz. I, I don't know. I, mm, one of them. Yeah, it's too. one of them. Uh, you sure. love it though. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. And you're out here doing your 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 uh, working for your master's degree out here. Right. Okay. Uh, out at, up in Izu. Okay. Fukushima. And uh, one of the other things that you mentioned to me is that in your master's degree in computer science, your uh, your thesis is on an augmented reality polyrhythmic mic metronome. That's correct. Right. Mm. And so I know what a metronome is. You know, it's used to kind of keep time um, through a variety of just like audio recordings and shit. What is your um, 15 syllable metronome <laughs> that you're talking about? Let me read that again. Augmented reality polyrhythmic metronome. It's not that many words. I read big words. I know big words. Um, but yeah, tell me about that. And, and why, what is the thesis and such? Yeah, I'll, I'll try to condense it um, as best I can. Augmented reality is um, like the Google glasses or like, you know, like a, a, a scouter from Dragon Ball or some shit, right? Right. Yeah. Um, it's I guess it's defined as the experience of seeing or experiencing the real world while experiencing some, uh, something virtual on top oh, of that. OK. Like Pokemon Go is an example of that. Bet. Um, and then there's audio examples of that as well, where I can hear this conversation while being accompanied by ambient music or something, mm -hmm. or, you know, something like that. So um, the idea came about um, because polyrhythms are really, really fucking difficult, at least for me. Um, and I had the idea that if you listen to two metronome sources, uh, maybe I should explain what a polyrhythm is. Um, a polyrhythm is two tempos going on simultaneously mm -hmm. that are mathematically related but contrasting. So they loop every certain amount of hits, but until that happens, it's kind of this jagged, uh, kind of like loopy feeling. Mm -hmm. um, so I've always struggled uh, learning or internalizing those combinations of rhythms. And mm -hmm. so I had the thought that if you would learn them with two metronomes or however many metronomes your polyrhythm consists of mm -hmm. uh, in augmented reality, um, that that could lead to some positive results interesting so right now i think a lot of drummers or maybe musicians in general listen to a metronome in the studio or in performance in right. a mono a, in a, a mono setting right they have headphones on or earbuds in it's and, a click track right yeah right and it's a click track and it it's the same signal on both ears which means it sounds like it's coming from inside your head mm -hmm. but if you use spatial audio techniques slash augmented reality techniques you can make it sound like the metronome's in the room with you so if the idea was that if you sound if you make two metronomes sound like they're in the room with you on two sides of your body, mm -hmm. at least from the physical nature of drums, that might help because you're tying your right hand to the metronome that feels like it's in the room with you on mm -hmm. the right side, and you're tying your. So this is a, a a visual indicator of the metronome, or is it still a, a, an audio? indicator of the metronome because like like a regular metronome you're playing the music but you also hear that you know the the count so with the augmented reality are you creating it so there's a visualization of it instead of a an audio uh, indication of it there's visual aspects as well but the main point or the main augmented reality element is the audio oh so wow, there, there's sounds... audio cues that can make you think that there's a metronome Wherever oh, in relation wow. to you. Yeah, so that's what it's about. Yo, that is, um, I've never heard of that before, thought of that before. This is your thesis. Yes. 
It's pretty interesting. I, it is. Uh, a, it's, it. I mean, I'm not. I'm not a, a trained musician or uh, a musician in general. You know, I could fucking make a beat, but you know, I, I don't know how to count music. I, I don't. I don't know how to read music and and such. But it sounds. It sounds like this is some shit that somebody should have thought of already, and you're just the guy to do it, huh? You think you're gonna hopefully, get, hopefully, no one yeah. else has done it. I, I don't yeah, sure. you might have to, you might have to copyright this, Aaron. Like as a musician, what what does this sound like to you? Because to me, it sounds like some really like uh, incredible oh, yeah. idea. Yeah, no, it is. It's a really brilliant. It's like the future of music type of shit. Yeah, look, you know, music education as well. It's like it could do with a, a few new ideas. You know, I think like. Um, you know, people like James and and people who understand technology and can bring it into to music practice and stuff like that and through different techniques. It's like that's they're they're going to be the people leading sort of music education in the future. And um, you know, in terms of like a, a practice technique, there'd be so many other applications to it as well. Like you know, within subdivisions as well. Right. Like just like you don't without polyrhythms. You know, just like learning how to subdivide semiquavers in a certain way or something having two different sources of it you know could be um could be really helpful and yeah i don't know like it's it's just sounds i'm like, just into new new shit and i mean it sounds like the different. tip of the iceberg yeah. like it, it it breaks ground for so many other different approaches to to um approaching like playing music and and recording music and learning music it's it's really incredible yeah i mean where where did the inspiration for this come from um, I would say the very starting point of it was in Chicago shortly before I left. Um, I had always had, like associated polyrhythms with like this very square, um, like, like kind of like dream theater or like this very proggy, like very, uh, kind of rigid, uh, kind of vibe. But I went to a show at this super underground venue, um, in Chicago where I saw a drummer named Ryan Packard. He played a solo that it was with uh, bass drum, floor tom, snare, and an SPD SX and, and cymbals, uh, hi hat and cymbals. And he, he was doing s such wild things that I, I just had no. It was like changing the way I breathed. It was mm -hmm. it was like really affecting me. I was like, what what is this? So I talked to him after the show, and he said, no, it's all polyrhythms. Like that's what you, I'm improvising with polyrhythms. I was like, holy shit! Like I. I thought like that was just this like lame prog rock world. Mm -hmm. Maybe I shouldn't say lame. I mean, there's there's neat aspects of that as well. But it was just something I was never interested in until I heard this performance. Um, so I did a lesson with him, and he told me a little bit more about the history. And then it turns out um, a drummer named Milford Graves, who recently passed, R.I.P., mm. um, was all about that. And when he told me that, I, I was really blown away because I had always heard that and loved it, but thought it was just like an expression like but no it, it all comes from that I and mean, it is an expression of course but he took the time to study and learn and internalize these polyrhythms so much so that he could improvise with oh, them that's and fascinating. that's what that's yeah. all about kind of like maybe Questlove or, or Jay Dilla right if you look at what they're doing it's sort of polyrhythmic but they were just feeling it right mm -hmm. so I, th I think I, I never met Milford Graves or I've seen him play once and that was mind blowing but I think that's kind of what it was about, just him feeling time in that like kind of high level. Mm. Yeah. With, with polyrhythmic stuff and any, you know, it's very mathematical, right? And I think there's this sort of idea that 
if you get too bogged down in the theory of something and, and you dedicate your time to practicing something as complicated as polyrhythms, it's impossible to be free and to be, you know, to be expressive with it. But really, it's just a matter of familiarity and, and getting comfortable in a really uncomfortable situation and knowing how to feel two different time signatures at one time. Like, there's, there's actually, like... Um, there's quite a lot of people in Australia that have worked on this stuff, like, and, and not just drummers, but like, uh, there's a trumpet player called Scott Tinkler who's in, particularly incredible at it. Um, and you know, if you if you're playing a melodic instrument like the trumpet, and and also doing polyrhythms, there's this other element of like, well, you have to choose notes and and consider harmony as well. So you could be pantonal and also like polyrhythmic um, in certain. Uh, situations and then, I mean, also with the trumpet too you could be you could, like with Scott especially if you've got the technique to do it you could um, incorporate polyphonics and the whole thing just widens up if you get comfortable in that world and can improvise freely with all that with all that um, extended technique and and thinking in multiple ways at once like the possibilities for creating interesting things and becoming more yourself than if you haven't studied that stuff is is, um, is very high but it's very hard to do. This is super hard. I mean, yeah, I I have no idea. I mean, I'm I'm hearing the words and I'm kind of understanding what you're saying about it, but obviously I don't grasp the kind of the the level of difficulty or the approach and that's why like something um like like uh the the augmented reality that you're creating would be really useful for a layman to be like, "Oh, okay, that's how that's how this is working out instead of just a single you know, metronome click track. It yeah. sounds fascinating. It yeah. sounds it sounds incredible. And I, w I I don't know. Like, um, I advise you to kind of like I d I don't know what you got to do to make it so somebody can't steal the idea from you. But you should probably try to do some shit like that. Like copyright it. You know what I mean? Call it a system or some shit. I feel like I feel like that might be useful, so you don't get fucking jacked for it. Yeah, that's probably some good advice. Probably, man. I mean, it's I've never heard of anything like it. And not that I'm like, you know, reading through the fucking like the the audio industry magazines and the, you know, what I mean, the, the Wired magazine for fucking I don't know, music theory or some shit, but but it sounds it sounds so incredibly fascinating to me and I've never heard of anything like it before. Props to you for uh pulling that off or or even thinking about that. Are you working on this by yourself? Uh I have an advisor. Okay. Um and yeah, we collaborate on ideas, but yeah, I guess the project, I'm the owner, I suppose. Okay. This project, well, so. When are you supposed to, uh, you know, present your thesis? Uh, presentation already happened, uh, but there's a lot of edits on the thesis itself and that's due soon. So I okay. get on that. Hey, appreciate you taking time out of your busy day to come over here and kick it with us. <laughs> no, no, no. My pleasure. Yeah. We ain't writing no fucking theses over here. Not uh, that I know, right? Aaron had, right? Oh, I did. That was something, a long time something ago. sociology. We're old related, now right? though. I mean like yeah. all that's, all that's kind of in the past now. Yeah. You're like a young guy. How old are you? I'm not, uh, 28. Okay. Not, not so young. Uh, okay. I mean, yeah. It's young, young enough, yeah. man. It's younger than me. I feel, I feel like if you're in your 20s still, like, don't try to act like you're old. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> but people in their 40s probably say that to people in their 30s, too. Like, yo, don't try to act like you're old. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. I had that conversation with a friend the other day, actually. He was, like, 41. I was like, yeah, but we're about, I'm 38. I'm like, about, about the, same. the same thing. He was yeah. like, no, 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 no. You think that because you're 38. Wait till you get to 40. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm going to say when I'm 41. Yeah, Somebody's me too. 38. Like, wait a minute. Hold on. Forget. Yeah. Check out this back pain. Yeah. Like, use this augmented reality to <laughs> visualize this fucking back pain. That, that'll yeah. be my idea next time. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah I, I don't know. I feel pretty good about it. I just finally got my ass into the gym again. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I, I figured I'm not ever going to get like, 
fucking b-boy fit again there's not going to be any six-pack or the fucking cum gutters you know what i mean yeah, like yeah, I, i'm yeah. just i'm just going to get like the dad bod strong i'll work on some other shit uh, uh, you, you were you were a b-boy oh yeah yeah oh, i sure. mean that's kind of that's how i kind of got my start in participating in hip-hop culture outside of just listening to the music i started with b-boying and then graffiti that was in california yeah, yeah. Isn't that more of a New York thing? Or I mean, like it was, you know, uh, I, I am 37. Uh, I'll be 38 in a few months. But uh, there were very much was four element hip hop culture ah, cool. um, flourishing when I was in junior high school in California. We had B-Boy Summit. We had Freestyle Session. And there was a hard emphasis on that. I was, I'm from the Keep It Real era where there was the Telecommunications Act and there was a split that went like mainstream. And then all of us went underground. And some of us went communist. <laughs> yeah. Wait, so if, if you... Okay, so then you did all four elements of hip-hop. Yeah, huh? I've done wow. all four. Yeah. yeah, That's dope. I mean, back in the day, it was kind of like the thing. It's like, like if you... No matter what you did, if you rapped or whatever, you probably had a hand style. You probably know how to write your name a little mm -hmm. bit, like graffiti. And you probably tagged it on shit. And that's just what it was. And from there, I was like, you know, I was into art. Like, I had been, you know, trying to draw comic book characters since I was a kid. And so I was like, let me write my name all over the place. I've never, I never would say that I got out of toy status because I was always kind of pretty toy with it. Mm. But yeah, yeah right, graffiti. You used to break? Me? Yeah. No, I can't no? break. Okay. No way. Yeah. My wife is a B girl, too. That's how oh, we met. Oh, shit. Cool. Yeah. I don't is she know. from here? Or my wife is Okinawan. Oh, wow. Yeah, she's cool. from Okinawa. But yeah, four element hip hop shit. Yeah, man. I mean, obviously you know a little bit about hip hop too. Yeah, you, yeah, you mentioned Dilla, Questlove. Yeah. Also, you fuck with Aaron, yeah. hip hop artist no guy. No doubt, no doubt. Yeah. Would you say you're more hip hop than jazz or uh, dude, like fifty fifty? I'll just give an up. I don't know. I'd, yeah. Jazz hop. Jazz. What was that genre name that they had? Like fucking, you know, right after uh, New Jabez died, it was like, oh yeah, jazz hop. Really? Was that a yeah, thing? Yeah. There was this like basically like like fucking anime. Anime loops, jazz loops over fucking hip hop drums. Yeah, right. Pre lo-fi. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, right. It just sounds like lo-fi though. Yeah. I mean, it, the 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 main distinction I would make is that lo-fi. A lot of people intentionally try to make their shit sound lo-fi. Mm. Like you know, they put that tape hiss over it or something. You know, yeah. it's also changed quite a bit over the last few years. It's become uh, a musical trope, mm. so to speak. You know, it's not. It's like a full blown. It's like it's like one of the most lucrative genres of music that you can make right now as an independent artist. Oh, dude, yeah. I mean, it's crazy, and everyone's. I don't know. Sounds the same. It sounds the same. Yeah, I don't. I mean, wanna... there, there's the greats who are like really dope at it. Like Marcus D was considered mm. a jazz, a jazz hop guy, and then a lo-fi hip hop guy. But you know, the spiritual successor of New Job is he. He's dope and musical. Yeah. There's other cats that just sample like a Ghibli sample and throw some drums over it. Tape is. And get a million plays. It's so weird. Like, there's it's such a fine line making music in that way, but from it being actually, you know, musical and it's a, it just being kind of, you know, run of the mill, just, you know, insert plug in kind of. Dilla had a pretty interesting thought about all that stuff too. It's like, you know, because practically the elements that you would he would use to make a beat and the elements that someone like Jamiroquai might use as a track. Like they're all the same thing, same tempos, same chord progression, same way of doing it. But there is this sort of like unmistakable looseness and grit that, if you're doing it in the right way, will come out. That is the thing that makes Dilla different to mm -hmm. 
to um to the acid jazz stuff of right. that time like and i feel the same way about lo-fi uh beats these days like what buddha or fitz or myself or you know olive oil or anyone out here does probably isn't that different in terms of process but there's something about just understanding music and knowing how to work these machines that just by just the fact that it's us that right. make it hopefully doesn't come out sounding like you know like your average lo-fi beat uh, Spotify playlist. I think the issue is like the average part of it, right? Because um, within any genre, there are people who just emulate certain styles and and follow certain music tropes. And even to the point where it's like you have an an artist who would be considered experimental, and then that popularity and sound oversaturates like a whole community, and everybody starts making beats like that. Like yeah. they're calling like the Griselda cats like neo boom bap, right? Oh, yeah. And there's a lot of cats who make music that sounds like aesthetically similar to what they're doing, but it's not new. You yeah. know, Ghostface had tracks like that on Supreme Clientele, weird off kilter, um, strange loops, um, the the minimal drum sound. Uh, Alchemist was doing that on Mob Deep's The Realist mm. back in fucking '99. Mm. But because an artist, f you know, fixates on that sound and develops through that sound like a rock Marciano it becomes like this subgenre of the music when really it's just like hip hop. And then a bunch of people hear that and start creating that. It's no longer experimental. Yeah. It's, it's fucking, uh, you know, commonplace. Yeah. But like really, really the problem was not that like anything about the approach that Dilla or these jazz hop guys were making. The problem with lo-fi is that everybody started making music using the same exact musical tropes to yeah. the point where you cannot you play a song and it's like, I don't know if this is this artist, this artist, this artist, or this artist because there's no individuality in the music, right? Yeah. I mean, what do you think, James? I feel like those, like that tends to happen regardless of genre. I think you kind of already mentioned that, but like, I, like, I mean, look at rock. Like, isn't mm. rock like totally dead? <laughs> like, right. uh, yeah. like indie rock, maybe that was like exciting in the 90s, but now... Right. I, th I find it very boring. The, like, and the kind of endless um, variations of subgenres throughout these music genres that just are interesting for a second then become super boring because everybody starts doing it. What What is experimental music then? Ah, oh, jeez. Like prioritizing your inner voice over trends. M maybe, trends and musical that, tropes? Maybe. Yeah. yeah, I think, I mean, that's, that's a pretty good... Um, way of putting it that that would stand up until we start really like analyzing it you know what i mean yeah. like or maybe following what's exciting to you regardless of trend like if you're okay. doing something new and that's exciting to you uh, it chances are it'll come out different than someone who's maybe using the same sure. gear or has that's, a similar approach that's why i was saying i think intent when you're making stuff is actually you people don't really talk about that as much like it, it, you can hear it, you know. It's like, you know, the, the difference, like you could give two different people the same ingredients and, and the same recipe book and stuff and say like, all right, make this like pasta mm -hmm. dish. It's going to come out different just by touch and like, you know, how hot someone has the flame or just these little things that are human about what you do. Intangibles, yeah. Yeah. You know, I, th I think music's no different. Like, I, I don't know if that's the biggest part of it, but I think once... Uh, it, if you're a professional musician, like if I look, you know, if I think about me and my friends and how we do it all, it's like, well, we're all kind of doing a similar thing, but it comes out so different that that's the only place where you could, you know, sort of do it. But up until you really, that becomes important. There's a whole lot of other shit you got to do too. Like you got to right. 
got to get your technique together. You got to listen to a lot of shit. Like you know, you know, especially with beat making, you got to know how to dig. You got to know how to work the stuff. You got to know how to mix. Like there's a lot of lot of different things. So I got. Yeah. I, I gotta admit, like a, a certain level of disdain for the term like experimental hip hop, because oh, yeah. I just I just feel like you know in the 80s everything sounded completely different but that is like baked into the approach of hip-hop so it's fucking hip-hop to have this wealth of biodiversity and sound and so like why is it experimental when like the the backbone of it is experimenting but yeah. it's not really experimenting as much as it is trying to make something that sounds authentically you without following trends or taking trends and of re re you know shaping them to to suit your needs and your approach to it i i i don't know like i listen to a lot of weird uh hip-hop that people would call experimental or avant-garde and i'm just like yo this is hip-hop i don't know what you know what i mean like yeah. but 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 the genres themselves are really kind of useless unless you're organizing a record collection or trying to sell an album for sure yeah you know I, look I, at the end of the day that, that's really what we're talking about isn't it? it's like hip-hop and jazz as well like the whole thing is it's supposed to be individual and not doing anything that anyone else is doing and back in the day you that's kind of what your success would depend on i think it's like well you know here's something new i've never seen any shit like this before and then you know you get some notoriety from that nowadays it's a, the people that appreciate those elements of hip-hop and jazz i think are, i mean they're still there but like the audience for that sort of shit is like dwindling for whatever mm. reason and everyone just wants to hear the same old stuff or something that's close to something that they can reference because i don't know if people can decide for themselves whether something's cool it's like like yeah you know i'm, I'm not really sure anyway I'm i've never to... listened to Billie eilish but is she like experimental pop no no okay oh i guess yo and in fact um yeah let's go ahead and say rest in peace chick korea yeah man. you know what i mean um experimental <laughs> you, know what I mean? yeah. you know what i'm saying like i mean like you wouldn't you would never have to say that it's like but i guess that is kind of his approach yeah. you know he's experimenting it's like one of the first guys to really freak a synthesizer right yeah so yeah rest in peace to him yeah now actually i haven't seen you since doom's passing i don't think, I don't think oh that's right man about that. Yeah. yeah you know that hurt my feelings fuck yeah man yeah me too yeah i mean right behind you too there james yeah yeah, I mean, I was I was a huge fan. You know, he's yeah, he's a, a a unique creation. You well, know? talk about experimentation in hip hop, and you know, I mean, I don't know, if, like, yeah, doing people would consider experimental, but it, yeah. it, it that's hip hop in its purest form. It's jazz yeah. in its purest form. To yeah. me. I mean, you know, like a lot of people rep try to replicate his approach to writing bars, his style, or even content, and 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 you know, even even the kind of persona. But, you know, complete, unique, fucking, almost an outsider musician type of fucking just vibe. Like, him and Old Dirty Bastard are, are just, like, completely unique. Like, I don't, think that, I don't think that that creation comes from anywhere else than the social conditions in which they grew up in. Yeah. So fucking strange human beings, man. Some yeah, of my yeah. favorites ever. Yeah. Chick Corea, too. I mean, just absolutely amazing. I found out about Chick Corea through fucking hip-hop. You know, there's a there's a... Not not that he was being sampled so much at the time, but on uh, Mad Lib's uh, Quasimodo album, the Loop Digger track, it's the Loop Digger. Uh, he's talking to the guy in the record store, and he's like, "You got Chick Corea 
inner space and and he's like no we don't have that we do have some you know what i mean reggae right, <laughs> it's right, like, right. and then he's like and i was like oh okay word who who the fuck is chick korea you know i'm like 18 years old and and just finding out about deeper genres that hip-hop was you know sampling and taking from but but yeah man I feel like you should talk more, James. Like, jump in. Just yeah, sorry, man. Yeah, we, yeah, yeah. we do talk. No, no, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll talk for the whole episode about uh, you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> well, one thought that I had is that I'm actually guilty for using the word or the genre of uh, experimental hip-hop. Me too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Me too. We all do it. Yeah. I have to make a distinction. Right. I, it's especially when I used to rap. People were like, "What do you do?" I rap. It's like, Ugh. like, what are you fucking like the Yin Yang Twins? Like you rap like <laughs> fucking Fifty Cent. Ugh. Like I come from a tradition that's much deeper than that, right. an abstract avant-garde tradition that that is important to me. In the same sense that poetry is important, and so I I'd be like, yeah, experimental avant-garde. Yeah, my fucking we had a my my group with my brother Satoru and another cat was called the Tibetan Death Quartet, and we were fucking we were trying to make this kind of like hyper modern jazz abstract jazz shit. None of us were jazz musicians, but we each had like an instrument, and we would freestyle all improv sets, uh, like using wow. samples and loops and fucking drums and and rapping, and that Can was. Can I hear our, that? You got that? Is that I've, out anyway? I've lost the, the zip drives. I lost oh, the CDRs. Jesus. Like we didn't have we didn't have stuff. And, and with the MySpace um, uh, wash, they they got rid of a lot of the music. I think the last uh, few tracks yeah, were yeah, gone yeah. from there. Oh, okay. But but yeah, I mean that like you know, I, I use the term too. Yeah. yeah. What what do you two think about like people kind of I don't know if cutting edge is the right word, but people in the hip hop space kind of going with a more alternative approach or trying to push the envelope a little bit. Are you, are you super familiar or interested yeah. in that kind of stuff? Yeah. Or? Yeah, of course. I, I actually think that hip hop music is in a, a bit of a renaissance for the last three years. I think that the, um, with, with the changing of the music industry and, um, people being able to get equipment and put their music out on various things without labels and the disregard for labels. I think that I think right now there's a lot of people doing some really super interesting things. Uh, whether it be like a Death Grips, JPEG Mafia, Earl Sweatshirt is making some of the most compelling abstract hip hop shit that hey, I've ever you heard. Liked his, you like his new album? I fucking or? love Earl's new shit. Yeah. He he really shot up in my top five personal favorites. A yeah. yeah. After MF Doom passed, I really I, I checked it out again. I was like, "Holy shit! Yeah, this yeah. is a, this totally influenced Earl." Like, Some rap yeah. songs, like you know, his his he comes from this tradition that should create an artist and not like somebody that's making music trying to be something. Like he come his his father was one of the last poets. Like he's his father was a in a, a world famous poet. His mother, a political scientist. You know what I mean? And, and an activist. And when you have that type of roots, like you can't make fucking chum. You know what I mean? You got it. You got it. Yeah, it's that, dope as shit. Hive, Hive and Chum is dope as shit, but you, you got to push beyond that. And where he's at now, his writing is, he's not even writing fucking bars like that anymore. He's writing yeah. poems. He's crazy. I, I, I don't know. I kind of like the older stuff a little I bit mean, more. <laughs> like, I mean, you like it, like, you know, like what you like. It's all, but yeah, I, it's all but, good, I, but yeah. I think his new shit is crazy. Like what he's putting into those sentences, is, to me, I read it and I'm like, yo, it's, it's a poem. Yeah, I'm big into the beat poets and shit too, and, yeah, yeah. and his shit is just crazy. Him, uh, Rap Ferreira, Milo, Billy Woods, Elusive, Arm and Hammer—all these cats are just making some of the most creative shit. Yeah. People, I mean, like Aaron, you're part of that tradition of really pushing the boundaries too. Your album that you did with Daiichi is fucking weird. 
It's weird as shit. I mean, Daichi's a styler, right? Yeah. Daichi has multiple different styles and approaches. He hears a beat and he sees it differently than a lot of people. And when you he when you hear a, a, a Cholai beat, it's like, what the fuck is this? How do you go about writing to it? It takes somebody who has an ear for the art and not just a rapper to go off of it, I think. And, and your music is right on that cutting edge. Raw Denshi is fucking nuts to me. It's nuts. I want to get that shit to more people. That's who, experimental. Uh, it's I ex think. <laughs> it's absolutely experimental. I've yeah. never heard it before. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I've said this a million times on the podcast, but usually when you have a jazz rap album, it's a jazz musician making hip hop beats using jazz instrumentation. His album is doing some weird shit. It's like, let me have this guy rap over this joint that sounds a little bit like it's sampled a, a break beat, right? And then I'm just going to fucking play the piano for like a minute and a half in between it. It's weird as shit to me. I've never heard anything like it. Oh, thanks, man. I'll take that as a compliment. Uh, I, I'm giving it as a compliment, man. I fucking swear it's nuts. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, that, that, you know, in terms of rappers out here too, Daichi is an interesting one because he does have an artistic background. Like he studied um, installation design in London and, you know, he listens to like John Cage and, and stuff like that. He just oh. happens to rap as well. John so, Cage, no shit. Yeah. So, you know, like, I, I connect with Daichi in that way. Like he's got he's got his own career where it's it's you know it's a little bit more commercial and stuff. But mm. um, anytime I send him something, like he you know he's got the ears for it. And there's a lot of guys out here, man. Like Sen Inshaw, I don't you know is a rapper that's really surprised me a lot. I've been working with him over the last year. And Sen Inshaw is you know he's got big ears too, man. You can throw OYG, OYG, yeah, Strange MC, uh, Dos Monos. Those monos, Those monos well, are, yeah, yeah. are nuts too. They're what they're doing is like never heard anything like it before. Yeah. You know, maybe it's the Japanese um you know, like, you know, the Japanese language over beats like that carries it a bit, but mm. man, they're also incredible. Mm. Um before we get out of here, it's almost reaching about an hour this first half and I like to keep it around that time. Yep. Uh you got you got an upcoming event, uh, right? You're you're gonna be performing uh Yeah, I guess uh, there's a few. Soon. Yeah, few tell tell me up. about tell let's get into that. Um, I'll just run through the list. I mean, yeah, take your time with it. I, I know that you're going to be streaming a show on the 24th with yes. the guitar player, right? And that's yeah. that's the video you're talking about coming out? Um, so I had done a 360 video with him a few months back, um, and that's ready to drop the day this drops. Hey. Um, but we're also performing live for the second or third time um, to support Dora Video, who's a noisician, Tokyo-based, I believe. Um I, I, he's he's like worked with KG Hino. He's pretty pretty legendary. So I'm pretty excited to be a part of that. So yeah, that's on the 24th in um, Peak Action in Koryama, and uh, that should be streamed as well. Uh, following that, I'm playing on the 27th uh, in Shimokitazawa Oto Oto with Naoyasu Takahashi, who's a bass player with uh, lots of effects and a lot of interesting sounds, kind of like a I've only seen him once, but um, yeah, he had a, quite an interesting approach, so I'm excited for that as well. Uh, on March 10th, I'm playing with Suzu Eddy. Uh, she's a piano player who makes um, hand, handmade instruments as well, or handmade um, accessories for exciting music instruments. Um, so that'll be at Bar Apollo. Um, do well, you got a lot of shit going on. Yeah, so I'm I'm faced with the possibility of moving, so. I try to load up my schedule on moving the back, back to the to stage. Yeah, it's still uh, it's still up in the air. It's looking somewhat likely that it won't come to that, but uh, a lot of this was planned. 
before, just okay. preparing for the worst, I suppose. Bet. Um, then on the 12th, uh, I'm playing in Nuttle House with Teruuchi Hisaharu, who's a... I don't know any of these people, uh, by the he, way. He's a piano player. He plays with um, uh, Yoshida Tatsuya quite a bit, um, who is famous for his project Runes. Um, and then lastly, on the 20th of next month, I'm playing with Mr. Aaron Sun here, hey, as boys. well as Otani Yoshio at Bar Apollo. What is that event like? It's just a gig. Um, Apollo is like a, a jazz club. Um, it's not just a jazz club. They do a ton of stuff out there, but like I'm there a lot. You know. Where is that? Shimakitazawa. I think you've been maybe. Uh, I think. No, we I went to the after. After. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's around there. Yo, you mind if I shout out again? No, please. I would like you to do that as well. Yo, we, I've, I've, I'm around. So you know, if you're interested in me, you just you can just follow me and stuff. I'll be doing a bunch of shit. But um, if you're really interested in in what I care about, we're doing a um another lo-fi improv event on the 10th of April at um Batika. So come down, man. It's gonna be all the Nambok people out there. We'll be doing Raw Denchi live. Um, you know, Shun Ishiwaka Shun will be down. Um, you know, Miyama. Will be you guys doing, doing any trio. FIC shit? Yep, we're going. We've never done a gig before, oh, but I think right. we're going to launch it. I want to see that. Yeah, me yeah. too. Yep. You're going to have Monsoor Freets on there. Should bring out Freets. Yeah, man. It's my dog. Try and get um, Freets out. Hopefully, get Miles up there. We'll yeah. probably have a few, um, a few other surprises. You know what I mean? So we're trying hey. to try and do a big one. So please turn up and um, you know. Yeah, we'll, I just want to. I just want to co-sign that because we had connected at the last. Uh, event at Batika and that yeah. was that was really something else because Man. the variety was so I was there from the right about at the beginning till the end and the variety was not only so um, vast but so deep and every everything was just so good and so different it was you know really what, an experience. you know what Namboku reminds me of a little bit like Anticon just the way that Anticon records like it, it, first it was like hip hop but then it became like this outlet of all these wildly different experimental approaches to music it was, it's kind of like a stone's throw it's like stone's throw comes out but but anticon was a little bit stranger when yeah. your shit came out and and like the variety of it it's like oh here's a beat maker here's some here's some like traditional bass kodo shit and then there's like you know um gosh i always forget her name manami uh, manami why doesn't she have music on fucking spotify i've been trying to find I, her more what? often her shit is dope i don't know I, it's really weird because she's like pretty fucking well known but she's got yeah. like nothing on spotify yeah. or apple music i don't know what, what's her I, name I, kakudo I yeah kakudo did. Did. i thought she? her last album was i thought i heard that on spotify i, I look for she's her got like one i think like yeah one major one but she's got anyway yeah. we'll we'll take care of yeah, that we'll, like, we'll play let, we'll play and we'll yeah. talk about some more of the artists yeah. on the second half of the podcast but okay. but yeah um pay attention to the shows i try to reshare them when I see them happening on Instagram and shit like that, but always going to mention new shows at the end of the podcast here. Um, yeah, I, I'd like to thank you again, James, for for rocking with us. We're going to take a break, and the listeners come back on Friday to check out part two. We're going to share some music, talk more about music. I think that's it for us right now, right, fellas? Yeah, man. Thank yeah. you. Man. Oh, and, and I'm going to go out. Let me. In fact, um, while I'm bullshitting, I'm going to go ahead and go out to. Um, I'm going to go out to some. Uh, FIC shit, if I could. Oh yeah, good if choice. I could. Um, let's see. What's my my one of my personal favorites? This is the joint with Freets, but I'm gonna go to break it up because I like drums too. I'm gonna go ahead and play those drums here. See, I don't want to be on an island listening to this though. You know what I mean? No, like I I'm drinking, breaking I coconuts mind. and shit. 
Yeah, but but you know you just sitting there and shit, like looking at the waves crash, hoping somebody sees you. Uh, I want some piano to make it a little solemn. No, let's go here. Footnotes is my shit. And we'll talk about this a little bit more. Pay attention. FKD, Shuni Shiwaka, Aaron Cholai, FIC Volume 1. This is Footnotes with my man, Mansoor Fritz. Yo, what does the want and want? Call for a year and then committed to those footnotes. I've been that mediocre effort spender lately. Grainy resolution on ambitions, weather faded. I'm partly bridged with this because of functional but unknown. Sofa's where I woke up. Television's on the 48 horizon. Pop up unexpected here. Belief in 2010 is present plus an extra year. I'm viewing what were my first efforts as inept and weird. Though it was the best of times. Flowing effervescent beer. Error prone and plus a stoop. An author of considered steps gluttony to boot. Terraform with my brain shrink rap. I spoke an animated fable. Such and such retained the title, others were unable. Swap the XLR out. I'm unknown to those there. Getting old of late, so watch me cultivate the nose hair. And this service on the workload. Double up the in-train. Used to scrutinize the landing notes on LP inlays. Rally max adventure mode, no, none of that was misplaced. Bright autumnal mornings all good well as if to this take. Continuation is success, toasting to the myths of progress. They can't abate the unrelating sense, they missed the moment. Attempt to specify my lackings on a list of focus, golden future projects to exist if ever this is noticed. The fate nut and it was slapped with all musics. Grand mill the blessings on the comic sans headstone. The river wonder was the debut, what's next though? Stoic intermission, tell a whole bit of weight. 